Hey everybody, how are you? Are we on uh, week, I think it's week 10. 10. Or it's either long. week 10 or 200. I yes, can't tell what it is. Right? It's been forever. But anyway, hey, we're glad you're here. We hope you enjoyed the worship. Hope it was meaningful for you. And uh, yeah, today, Matt and I, together, you know Matt, right? And uh, Matt is not only our, our youth pastor, he's also my son-in-law. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, we're going to share with you from Ephesians 2. So we've been doing this series and we're doing a Thursday night uh, kind of download of the debrief. The, a debrief. De- That's debrief, debrief of, of all the stuff we didn't get to say on the weekend about the passage or the chapter. And then we're doing small group studies. We're doing devotionals every day. Mm-hmm. So join us as we study the book of Ephesians. We want at least one good thing. I think there'll be lots of good things come out of this time, but, but at least one good thing. You'll know Ephesians better. Okay. And hopefully, yeah. So anyway, so we had chapter one last week. We're going to start with chapter two. I'm going to let Matt start out. Verse one through 10. One through 10. All right. So um, I'll be honest with you. There is so much here in, uh, in verses chapter or chapter two, verses one through 10. And we're not going to get to it all today. And so he mentioned on Thursday nights, we do this like little debrief thing. Um, and so make sure you kind of sign up for that Thursday night. It starts at seven o'clock, right? right. Yeah, that's kind of where like we're really getting into kind of the, the deep theological truths and things along those lines. And so today I'm just going to do a really quick flyover. There's going to be one verse that I'm going to spend a lot of time on today because um, it's something like really like meaningful for me. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter two. Now I want to remind us really quick that um, Paul just ended his last chapter and you would have heard us say this on Thursday and Cody over on the weekend. Uh, He was telling us that the ultimate example really of God's uh, power was displayed uh, really through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now Paul kind of tells us in this chapter the so what, which is Doyle's kind of like favorite, like now what, so what, right? Like like, what, what, what does this really mean for me today, which I love. And so we're going to start in verse one and it says this, And you, and I want you to remember really quick that he's talking to the church of Ephesus, right? So he's talking to a body of believers, people who already believe in Jesus Christ. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin. Now trespasses, actually the the Greek and Hebrew actually kind of idea of this speaks to man actually being a rebel against God, right? So there's kind of this rich history that Paul talks about that sin has caused you and I to be a rebel, to kind of go against in some ways, have a distaste for, for God. The sin that he kind of uses here speaks of us and in many ways, actually kind of being a failure before him without Jesus. That's the super important part. We'll see that right here. Follow with me in verse two, it says this. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following of the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the son of disobedience, among whom all once lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and man and mind. And we were by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So I said, I told you there's, there's lots here and we're going to spend a lot of time here um, talking about Satan and things like that on Thursday. But for today, there's this one reality that Paul speaks towards that I want us to kind of, yep, yeah, tune into. He kind of speaks to this reality that sin, that it's made us an enemy of God. We kind of talked about a rebel and things like that as well. But sin, the thing that he wants you to get, man, in Romans chapter three, verse 23, Romans 6, 23, he talks about like the wages of sin are death. So it's a big topic for Paul. And he really wants us to really understand one thing about death. And that is that death is a separation of things that ought not to be separated. Let me provide you with an example. So physical death is the soul, right, from, from the body. Spiritual death, which is a far worse type of death, is the soul from its creator. Now, the reason that this separation from God causes death is actually because God is the source of life. But even more, he's also the source of all that really is life-giving. He's the source of joy and meaning and purpose and fulfillment and satisfaction. And obviously, he's the source of our salvation. 
And so if we separate ourselves from here, a few years back, we had a man named Nabil Qureshi, and, and he actually talked about this verse. And I remember something he said, if you unplug yourself from the source of life, what do you get? What's the opposite of life? You get death in all its types of form. You get economic death, potentially. You get um, emotional death, relational death, and obviously you get spiritual death. And then the verse he used in the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10, and it says, Jesus said that I came to give life and give it abundantly. And today I want to kind of talk just a little bit about the abundant life. And we're actually going to, at the end, talk kind of about that. So I want you to follow with me in verse four, it says this, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love, which he loved us. So here Paul explains to us really God's reasoning behind his desire really to reconcile to you and reconcile to me. So follow with me. It says this, his rich mercy, his great love. And then he, and then in, in actually other parts of Ephesians, he used this, this term lavishing on us, right? That God's love is focused. It's, it, it, yeah, it's focused on you. It's focused on me. One of my favorite books in the Bible is found in the Old Testament in the book of Hosea. And actually one of my favorite kind of concepts, ideas where God talks about his beloved, those who he lavishes his love upon. He uses this, this word that I really like, or this phrase I really like that I hadn't heard before that I had to study. And the, the phrase is the maiden of my eye. Now you're probably like me, maybe you're smarter than me. You're probably smart, you probably know what it means. But I, I, I had no idea what it meant. So I researched it and it's, when you get so close to somebody, right? You're so close to somebody that you see your reflection in their eye, you are the maiden of their eye. And God says in that, in that passage that you are the maiden of God's eye, that he lavishes his love upon you and upon me. Did you know that that, that, was, that meant I that? I no idea. See, he's learning too. I love it. I love when I get to teach you things. Follow with me in verse, uh, verse five. It says this, even when we were dead in our trespasses, in other words, I like this part, God loved you when you were unlovable. It says this, even when you were dead in your trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that now, or so, I'm sorry, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So like I said before, there's tons here, right? But there's one point that I really want us to kind of hone in what Paul is talking about. He's kind of saying here that because Jesus shared in our death, us as a body of believers, we get to share in his resurrection life. And that's actually a theme of Ephesians we'll find in the coming weeks. Verse eight and nine says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So that this right here is what I'm, I'm hoping to spend, if Cody or Doyle gets, allows me to on Thursday, to spend a good amount of time. There's uh, a few hundred years ago, um, there was this reformation and there was five solas that came out of it. Sola just mean, uh, only or alone. And the first is faith, sola fidea in Gratia. We are saved by faith through grace alone, not by works. So that means that, man, there's no, no, no amount of good things are going to put the pendulum in your way in which you can get to God. It's God's gift. Salvation is God's gift. And I'm going to talk about that if he lets me on, 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 thurs, on Thursday. So this passage is super foundational. And honestly, I, we could do a whole series, probably a whole year on just this little Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine. And um, well, just be here for Thursday, because I, I got so much to say, and I don't want to take away what I'm going to say there, for, right here. So what I do want us to see is there's an argument that Paul's going to be building. You may not see it yet, but there's a connection. There's a correlation that he's trying to get us to see, and he points it out in verse 10. And the correlation, the connection is between our salvation, our relationship with God, and our purpose in life. That there is, in some way, these are tethered to one another. They are connected, right? The deeper relationship you develop with Christ, the more you will know why you exist, the how and why you exist here on earth. And so follow with me in verse 10. It says this, for we, remember, 
followers of him, for we are his workmanship. We are his artwork. We are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, Paul uses this term a lot. Paul wants you to know the so what. Okay, Jesus was, the Easter story, right? That that Jesus died and then resurrected. He wants you to know what that means so bad that 11 times in this book, he says, in Christ, in Christ, I want you to know who you are in Christ. And so he continues and says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Paul's saying something super important for us. He's saying our purpose is created out of our faith. Right? Our purpose is created out of our faith. And another point he's saying is that you are not saved by good works. You are saved for good works. You are not saved by good works, but rather you are saved for good works. And that's what I want to spend some time talking uh, this weekend with you guys about. That God created you on purpose for purpose. So I, I get to speak in youth. And uh, so I always like these one-liners, these one-line statements that like kids can remember. Like, hey, when their parents say, hey, what did you learn at church today? They can say this one thing. And so if you tuned out, I think you maybe taught me this. Uh, here's the one thing I want you guys to know. God created you on purpose for a purpose. So uh, Dole, you've been al- allowing me to do uh, youth ministries for I think eight years here now, right? This is, I guess, a pretty long time. And uh, one of the questions I get most in student ministries, which is actually a fascinating question, is why am I here? Every time I lead a, a life group around here, or a rooted group with some junior high, high school students, and even young adults, I'll be honest, I get, I get that question a lot, like why? Why, why? why am I here? Do I just go to school for this season? Am I just stuck in Zoom meetings forever? Or uh, do I get a job and try to get a two-story house with a white picket fence and, and then eventually retire and then get like an orange tan on the golf field or whatever, right? Like, like why do I exist? And then eventually do, do I just die? Or, or am, I here for, am I here for something so much more? See, the reality, I think you and I, we ask that question is a good indication and a good signal pointing us to you are here. We are here for a reason. God created you for a reason. And the good news is, is that reason's discoverable. And that's kind of what Paul is saying. I mean, just think, right? So I have a, a little dog named Zara. And never once has she like, have I seen her, I think Cody gave her this illustration before, like howling at the moon, right? Just with this deep existential crisis, trying to wonder why she, why her heart beats inside of her chest, right? It doesn't happen, right? You, you, are, you are different. To be a human being, we are, we are different. That's because the image of God in you and the image in God in me draws us towards kind of these, this desire for meaning and purpose and transcendence. So Paul here is saying that those feelings that you and I have, does our life matter? that those are valuable feelings, that, that, that those are feelings that we have because we're created in God's image and that, that that question, why are you here, actually has an answer. It can be answered. See, that essentially what he's, the argument he's creating is that there is a God who holds time, space, and matter. I love the way that Moy says it. He gets the, holds the whole world in his hands, makes the whole world spin and float, right? That, that God who is outside of time, space, and matter, all of those things, he knows your name. He cares enough of you that he would reach down from heaven and to pull you out of death and give you life. See, Paul is saying that the mystery of this abundant life was discovered at the cross. And the purpose, the, the, the purpose, or we can, we, I rather we can discover our purpose in a relationship with the person who isn't hanging on that cross any longer. And so the question, right, why, why do I exist? Why are you here? I don't think it's something we're maybe going to get through all today, maybe on Thursday, hopefully, but why were you created? Or how can you experience the life really that God has for you? So l- let me give you maybe a silly illustration that I, I give to junior hires because I'm a junior high and high school pastor. So I feel like I got to give you something silly. 
So many years ago, my dad, um, well, many years ago, I was, I was skating home and I, I got to the front door and I threw my bike and I opened the door, I ran in, I smelled tacos. My dad made the best tacos. So I get into the house and uh, I, I looked to the left where our kitchen was and there were a bunch of tacos. So I grabbed three really quick, as quick as I could without even like seeing. I said, hi dad, grabbed them, sat down on the couch, I tuned into something, I remember it was, and I started eating tacos. I'm two tacos down, I got one to go and all of a sudden I hear like my mom in the kitchen with my dad and she sounds like she's gagging and my, all my dad just keeps saying is like, what's wrong? Like, well, why do they not taste good? And so I, I, I get up and I go and I look and there I see my, my mom just kind of like, like laughing but also kind of gagging at the same time. And my dad has something in his hand and I looked in and it wasn't a cheese grater, it was a pet egg. Now, if you guys don't know what a pet egg is, it's not a cheese grater, it's designed to, I guess, grate the cowless skin off your feet, right? <laughs> I guess that, <laughs> I know, it's, just, it's disgusting, right? So this whole time, right, my dad thought my mom bought him a fancy new cheese grater, right? <laughs> so so I, I still eat the taco, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, <laughs> So I tell you that story really to tell you this. When we don't know entirely the purpose of something, we can misuse it. And maybe even more importantly, we limit its, its potential. See, just like this pet egg, I think you and, and I, and we, we, are just, we have an intended purpose. Just like the pet egg, it has an intended purpose. And sure, it could be used for something else, but it's not its intended purpose. Therefore, it isn't gonna, it's not gonna work the way that it's really supposed to work. See, the reality is there is a kind of life that's only a shadow of what God really created life to be like. See, life without him, I heard, is like a, is an echo. It's a best, a fading reflection of what real life is supposed to be about. You know, I, I saw this truth, I think, more, um, more evident about five years ago in the eyes of my father. My dad, I remember I was sitting on the couch, he came to me and he said, hey, can I talk to you in the back room? And my dad wasn't a guy that normally would ask to have a really deep conversation with me. So I said, sure. And I remember we sat down on the couch in our little den. And he, he began to just tell me about his life. But maybe even more importantly, he kept using these two words. I feel like my life is purposeless. I feel like my life has no meaning, that it has no guiding factor. Now, my, my dad, um, he was an atheist. He was actually a pretty staunch atheist. He, to be honest with you, didn't really much like the fact that I that I worked here at, at Seacoast. Um, later on, he became pretty proud of that, but at first he thought I was believing in a myth and things along those lines. I, to be honest with you, I've never seen my dad like this before. We probably talked for 50 minutes. Half of those 50 minutes, 25 to 30 minutes, were him spent just crying. My dad really never cried in front of me. I always viewed my dad as, as, as Superman, you know, like he, he never, he's strong. He has the answers to everything. This is the first time I got to look into my dad's eyes and see a deep level of brokenness. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, half of, those, half of the 25 minutes was 15 minutes of me crying. You know, I think I've never shared this story before because of how painful it really is for me. I have never looked in the eyes of somebody, into, into the eyes of someone and seen more hurt, seen more pain, and be honest, a sense of hopelessness that only comes from not knowing one's purpose. So for some reason, I, I never really strayed away from having faith-based conversations with my dad, but at this moment, I felt more than any, like I needed to have a conversation with him. And so I told him, I said this, I said, Dad, there, there's no greater joy in discovering that God has a purpose for your life. Because what that means, and I said, what that really means, Dad, is it means that he's the author of your future. 
He's the, he's the creator of your joy and, and the writer of your story. And dad, I said, you may not believe this. And you have for the last handful of years said this isn't true, but you were created on purpose and for a purpose. Then the illustration came to me. And I felt like this conversation for some reason was hitting home with him more than it ever had before. The illustration came to me. I said, dad, imagine when I was a kid, I was three or four or five in the backyard and I was building a fort in, our, in the tree in our backyard. So I grab all the lumber, I grab the nails and the hammers and, and, I, and I go out there and you see me grab your tool belt, it's sliding off and it, you know, I, I can't even wear it because I'm four. And so I get it back there and I'm trying to build this fort. And so you're from the kitchen window and, and, and you're watching me try to build this fort. And I'm just hitting my fingers, I'm bruised. I got, I got bloody fingers. I just don't know what I'm doing. And I have the wood, I just don't know what I'm doing. And then finally you came out and you said, son, I'd love to help you. Like, I kind of know what I'm doing. I'm not a carpenter, but I, I, I can envision more than you can. And I have a higher qualifications than you do. Will you let me help you? And imagine dad, I said, no. Dad, how much more, how much better would that fort be if I allowed you to help? And I said, dad, how much better would your life be if you allowed your heavenly father to help? Then I said, dad, God's not, Done. As long as you have a heartbeat, he has a purpose. Little did I know about eight days later, my dad went into passing away. Um, I got a phone call, he got dragged to the hospital and I uh, was placed into an emergency surgery and uh, ended up passing away. Well, why, did I, why did I tell you that story? For a few reasons. Number one, I'm deeply grateful that God allowed me to have that conversation unrestricted, unfiltered conversation and boldness in that moment that I was able to have with my dad to tell him about who Jesus really is. The second is I was reminded of the lostness that many people get to experience. The fractured life that people are just trying to hold on to something to give them some sense of fulfillment or satisfaction or joy or peace or meaning or purpose. Because that's what I witnessed. That's what I got to see at the end of my dad's life. Jesus came to save us from that. He came to save us from this sense of lostness, this, this not knowing the reason that you exist. It's because the reality is God, and I wish I could have said this to my dad, God doesn't just save you from something, but he saves you to something. He saves you from an eternity spent away from him and from a sense of hopelessness, a sense of a lack of meaning. And he saves you to his redemptive plan of saving mankind. See, God's redemptive plan is the, is, the, is the greatest purpose that we can make our life about, is telling the good news of the gospel to a fallen world. You know, before I hand it over to Doyle, I want you guys to know that you guys were created. Each, you were created on purpose and for a purpose, and you were created to do good things. And you will only know so much and go so far in your own strength. And so it's really to reach your full potential, to experience the, 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 the abundance, the real peace, the joy that God has for you. I want you to envision yourself as that little boy, that three, four-year-old, five-year-old boy or little girl in that story, in that illustration that I told my dad that day. How much better could your life be if you were just going to give him the material? It's the last thing I'd want to tell you is that God is better at building a life than you are. And that's, that's with all my heart what I wanted my dad to know that day. Wow, it's powerful. Wow. 
how do I go after that? I didn't know Matt was going to tell that story until just a few minutes ago, and, and uh, I had planned to do another segment of this passage, and I may get to it, but I just feel like we're going to stop. And, yeah. It wasn't, growing up for me, it wasn't that I didn't think I was wrong and needed forgiveness. I knew I was wrong, and I knew I needed forgiveness, and I felt guilt, especially in those teenage years when I was running away from God. But the guilt alone wasn't enough to make me turn to God. It was this. It was this thing you're talking about, this fact that God had given me certain abilities and, and certain opportunities and placed me in situations that were undeniably meant for something greater than my own pleasure. It was that. It was that thing. Maybe today you're, uh, you're listening. I think we ought to just stop and just give an opportunity to respond. This is a powerful story. I've never heard this story before. I don't think Matt's ever shared it. Today... You don't want to just have a relationship with Christ because it'll make your life easier and because you'll be forgiven. But the joy of life is doing what you were created to do. It was that you were God's workmanship, which that word, right? And maybe you're going to talk about this on Thursday. That word is a powerful word. It's a thing of, of beauty and of functionality, of impact and of glory. There's just, it's an amazing word. You were created for something so much more. The emptiness, you powerfully described the emptiness. is incredibly sad for me. The emptiness, I'm glad you had a chance to have that conversation. The emptiness is, it's brutal. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to finish this up in a minute, but I want to just stop and pray. So wherever you are, maybe you're in the living room, maybe you're watching this, uh, I don't know, in your bedroom, maybe. I, I, don't, I, I want to stop and pray. And if you're a person who's living without the hope of impact, <laughs> the hope of opportunity, without the, the knowledge that you're committed to Christ and that you're becoming who he created you to be and that this potential that he has put in you and intends to develop in you is moving forward, even if it's a snail space. If you're a person without that, I want to pray for you, okay? Um, because maybe you need to accept Jesus. Maybe this reality of this virus has just awakened you to the fact that your life and all that you've achieved and all that you thought was going to bring you happiness can be taken away in a moment. Maybe you've had to sit there and do some self-examination and think, you know what? I don't have that much to live for. Maybe you realize, like I realized one day when I was in my late teens and had been living for myself, maybe you realize that what you need is what Matt was describing. And so I'm just going to ask, if you want to accept Jesus, we're going to pray. And, uh, and, and I'm just going to pray and you're just going to repeat it right there on the couch. And nobody around to hear you. And if they are good for them, they may need to pray it too. Okay. And we're just going to, cause there is nothing sadder as you have just seen. And we've just talked about, there is nothing sadder than someone who doesn't realize they're created for something more. Let's pray. Lord God, for those who are sitting there right now, I want to, I want to pray. And I'm going to ask the Lord that you not only hear me, more importantly, you hear them. Please repeat after me. Lord Jesus. I'm not completely sure about you. I'm not completely sure about Jesus and God and the Trinity and all the theology of it. But Lord, I know that I was created for something more. That nothing I've tried yet in my life has completely filled me up. Nothing else can give me the meaning that I seek. Nothing else could point me to not just a purpose, but the purpose for which I was created. 
And so, Lord, I ask that you would come and you would forgive me of all that I've ever done wrong. I ask that you would save me from the consequences, the eternal consequences, at least of those actions, that you would forgive me and reconcile me. And Lord God, I ask that you would save me to something, to a calling, to a place of service, to a place of impact, to a place where I can be who you created me to be and experience the joy of doing something that lasts forever, the joy of using the gifts, the abilities, the experiences you have given me. Lord God, I pray that you would receive me into your kingdom, that you would not only forgive me, that you would direct me and you would guide me. I trust in you now, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Today, if you committed your life to Christ, we would love to help you get going on that journey. You've already been on a journey, I understand. You've been on a journey to where you are right now, but this is the beginning, the exciting part, the fun part, the joyful part of the journey, the journey where you not only realize what it means to be forgiven, but you begin to realize what it means to be called, to be equipped, to be given opportunities and, and given whatever you need, the wherewithal to begin to impact the world. And so um, let us know. Write us a note, text us, call us, uh, write something on the screen there. Whatever you need to do, please let us know. All we're going to do, we're not going to ask you for money or anything stupid. We're going to just have somebody just get in contact with you. However you contact us, we'll contact you back. Say, hey, listen, we've got a couple things for you. love you to read. Here's some suggestions, some ideas. You may want to look at these things. If you want to get connected with somebody, have a prayer with somebody, talk to somebody, here's an opportunity. We won't force ourselves on you. We just want to give you that privilege uh, of following Jesus because that's what you just signed up to do. And I, I think the saddest thing is to miss that opportunity. And to be honest, the thing that brought me back to faith when I was running away from God, trying to look for things that felt good, was that I knew I was missing opportunities that God had created me specifically to do and to be. And I knew I'd never be happy outside of that. So today I pray, I hope that you have found uh, an opportunity here, an opportunity to be changed, an opportunity to be committed to Christ. And for those of us who have committed our life to Christ long ago, um, could we just refresh the memory? This next section of scripture, I'm not going to teach through it, but I do want to reference. What it is, it reminds us who we were. He's comparing Jews and Gentiles. And he says, you Gentiles, which is most of us. Uh, he says, you guys were far from God. You know, sometimes it's good for those of us who have been Christians, been following Christ for a while. It's to stop and remember who we are and what we were saved from. So that we can fully appreciate what we're saved to. At the end of this chapter, he not only goes through and tells all these things, I have all this good stuff that I'll be giving on Thursday night now. Um, he not only tells us what, and reminds us what we're saved from and all the stuff, and then he says at the end, and here's just kind of the little kicker I'll give you. At the very end, he says this. You're not only saved to something, you were saved to something together. In other words, you're saved to do some things as an individual, but you only get done what you're supposed to do as you join with others in building this community of faith on Jesus Christ. So one of the powerful things that I love about what Matt does is he's not just doing what God called him to do. He's doing in not only with us, but with a whole group of student leaders. And it's a powerful thing because a part of the joy is not just doing what you're created to do, but doing it with those you were intended to do it with, who have a common direction, a common kind of purpose to make God uh, glorified and Jesus well-known. And so today, 
Yeah, we didn't talk much about virus because we don't want to talk about the virus. We want to talk about something greater, which is that Jesus loves you. He wants to forgive you and he wants to call you to something, to something powerful. And so we don't want you to come out of this, this, this week, this virus, this thing, just barely making it. We want you to feel honored and privileged that God would call you. He would reconcile you. He would equip you and he would use you to do something. I don't know what it is. It's okay. Half the fun is discovering it. The other half is doing it. And the other half, so we got three halves now, is doing it together. <laughs> it's doing it together. Just like doing this talk with you together. I love it. It's been really fun. I appreciate Matt doing it and sharing the story. And I appreciate you letting us share with you. Listen, there's stuff going on. You guys got stuff going on. What, what nights of the week are you on with the youth? We got Tuesday nights. Um, we do together on Thursdays. So we do like these like rooted groups on Thursdays. Um, we have Sunday nights for young adults. And then June 14th, if you're a young adult, we're doing a drive-in service in front of the warehouse, which is going to be fun. You got to stay in your cars because like the whole CDC thing. But it's gonna, we're going to be fun. So you're going to want to be there June 14th, 7 o'clock in front of the warehouse. So if you're 30 and under. 30 and under you can go to one of their events online. And then we, of course, have the Thursday night coming up where we're going to do a debrief, uh, a little download of all the stuff I didn't get to share. I have pages I didn't share today, and he's got some too. We're going to share some great stuff on Thursday night, and then you have a chance to discuss it, discuss it in a small group if you choose to do that. Um, daily devotionals, be reading. Don't just watch a little video. That's not the deal. It's the devotional. Read those because we're all in the chapter uh, two of Ephesians. You're going to learn a lot, and you're going to be inspired as you just saw. And so we're so glad you guys uh, join us today. We love you guys. We're praying with you guys. We don't know what's going to happen next uh, in terms of the whole church and coming back together. We are excited, anxious to do that. We'll do it at the right time. Cody and I have a video. You can check it out. You'll find out more. But uh, yeah, God bless you guys. Love you guys.